Well, Claude, I'd like to welcome you and the rest of the listening audience. All right. <laughs> which is many thousand people. Yes, yes. To the Bill Bennett Show. We're the podcast that translates Donald Trump. We take a look at the current administration, address the existential threats to America. Now the existential threats to Donald Trump. Right. <laughs> right. Maybe yeah. to Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. Maybe exactly. the Democrat Party. Maybe the Republican Party. Joining me today is a strong advocate, often in defense of President Trump, Mark Thiessen. Mark's an old friend. I knew him from Empower America days. He's a fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. He's a Fox News contributor. He's a Washington Post syndicated columnist and a former chief speechwriter for President George W. Bush. Let's uh, let's start with the double standard. What what's the double standard? Well, double standard is is that when when Demo- you know you had two three Democratic senators Menendez, Durbin, and uh, and Leahy who uh, in 2018, May of 2018, wrote a letter to the Ukrainian prosecutor uh, saying that uh, they're very deeply disappointed that he has stopped cooperation. They wanted to reopen four investigations related to the Mueller probe. Very, very upset that he stopped those investigations and noted their support for U.S. aid to Ukraine and that we and demanded that he reopen them. What, where is the outrage over that? It's the exact same thing that the uh, Democrats accused the president of having done in his phone call. And, and so, who did this? You know, literally, did, literally did the same thing as, as the, for Donald Trump. Was this the Menendez and, group? Yeah, it was the Menendez group. Right, okay. And uh, this is what, this is what the president, this is part of the column that the president was reading aloud. Uh, on the air uh, at his press conference. He read this part aloud and he's right. Uh, and of course, everybody in the media just jumps, bends over backwards trying to explain away why why it's not the same thing and uh, all the rest of it. Uh, and then you got Joe Biden, uh, who you know, literally threatened the Ukrainian government with, with holding a billion dollars in loan guarantees if they didn't fire this prosecutor. Now, you know, there's a lot of people arguing about whether the prosecutor was really investigating Burisma, which is the company that employed Hunter Biden's son or not at the time. It's basically, what a lot of people are saying is the investigation was dormant. I don't know what dormant means. What that means is there was an investigation of his son, of his son's company. If the, 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 right. To be dormant, it had to exist, right? right? And it wasn't completed because we don't say the Mueller probe is dormant. We say it's over, right? right. So there was an active investigation into, into Burisma, and, uh, and he fired, and he put, you used U.S. aid the threat of USA to fire, get this prosecutor fired. Now, you know, it may in fact be that the prosecutor deserved to be fired. I'm not, I don't even dispute that. The IMF, every, all the European allies all said that he was corrupt and he wasn't prosecuting corruption. I, I buy all of that. You don't have to prove that, that, that he did it in order to help his son, but he had a conflict of interest. <laughs> it's absolutely clear that, that Joe Biden in 2014 went to Ukraine and, and, and urged them to uh, increase natural gas production to offset Russia, their dependence on Russia. Perfectly fine policy position. A few weeks later, Hunter Biden gets put on the board of a Ukrainian natural gas company. (laughs) He has no experience in Ukraine, no experience in national gas, doesn't speak the language, never worked in the industry, but suddenly he's hired. That's a conflict of interest. He should not have been on that company, or if he was on that that company's board, Joe Biden should have recused himself and not been involved in those decisions. And uh, you go and talk to nonpartisan ethics experts uh, will tell you that that was a conflict of interest. Federal federal regulations, uh, the, the Code of Federal Regulations has rules on appearance of conflict of interest. And they say that if you are going to make a decision, if you're a federal employee and you're going to make a decision that involves a close relative 
who will financially benefit or gain or be, or be affected by your decision. And a reasonable person, that's the phrase in, in law, a reasonable person could, knowing all the facts, could say that your, your judgment was not impartial. You shouldn't make the decision. So right. Joe Biden had no business having been the point person on Ukraine, no business pushing for the firing of this guy. And everybody in the media is bending over backwards to say, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. There's nothing. There's, no, there's a lot to see here. Yeah, and, extraordinary. Let's stay with the Biden piece. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fox has been showing this picture of uh, Joe Biden with uh, his son, who is uh, the part of the Burisma, his partner in it. Uh, well, the per- person in the picture is Devin Archer, who is uh, who is uh, he's not a Ukrainian. He's the American partner right. who got him into no, the that's, business. That's right? right. Biden was asked whether, you know, kind of ridiculous question, but I'm glad it was asked. Did you ever talk about this with your son? He said no. Which is it's not true, implausible, and it's not true because the son confirmed that he did, right? Yeah. So the son told the New Yorker that Biden came uh, at least once, discussed it with him, said, "I hope you know what you're doing," which is obviously raising concern about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gently, and son said, "Yeah, I do." He's like, "Well, yeah, I do, Dad." What he should have said is, "Yeah, if I'm going to channel my inner Adam Schiff, yeah, I do, Dad. I'm, I'm trading off of your name to make get to get to make fifty thousand dollars a month. Is that okay?" <laughs> Well, you, you know, you're a fa- you're a father. I'm a father. You don't say to your son, "I hope this is okay." You say, "Hey, son, I don't think this is okay." Yeah, exactly. Especially since so, you're but, trading on my name. But but putting that's what he should have said. Uh, but putting that aside, we also know from the from the New Yorker uh, that uh, Amos Hochstein, I believe I'm getting that uh, pronouncing his name correctly, who was the Obama energy czar, uh, he he told the New Yorker he raised concerns about Hunter Biden's charisma. Bur- connections with the vice president before he traveled to Ukraine in 2015. We know from the New York Times that State Department officials were concerned that it was undermining his anti-corruption message uh, in Ukraine. That's been reported by the New York Times. So we know that Biden knew that his son was working for this company. We know that Obama officials raised it with him. State Department officials raised the, the, the concerns. And he still went ahead and took the lead on on firing the prosecutor. So we don't have to, you know, the media is saying, well, there's no proof that he did it with the intention of protecting his son or helping his son. You don't need to prove that. That's not the point. The point is he was he had a conflict of interest and he should not have been involved in the decision. And people can't seem in the media can't seem to get their heads wrapped around a concept, which is that Donald Trump. So Donald Trump should not have in that phone call raised Hunter Biden with the president of Ukraine is my position. I don't think he had any business doing that. Um, and I think he should not have been, we can talk about the Giuliani piece of it, but he should not have been urging in an official phone call for him to, to work with his private lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, to dig up uh, information on Hunter Biden. But the fact that Donald Trump did something, and I think that it's not an impeachable offense because he didn't, there's the, ev- the evidence let's, that he did, he made a promise or a threat has not materialized. Right, let, let, let's hold that. I want to I get to that in a minute. Yeah. Let, let's stay with the Biden thing for now. But, but the, but. But the point being is that just because Donald Trump uh, did something wrong in that phone call, it does not therefore follow that that Joe Biden didn't do anything wrong in Ukraine. The two things can be true at the same time, that Trump made a mistake in that phone call and that Joe Biden made a terrible mistake in how he handled Ukraine policy and had a conflict of interest and violated U.S. ethics law and that that's a serious thing and should be investigated and uncovered as part of the vetting of him as a potential president of the United States. Um, more up to date on Biden. Apparently he as the his campaign or he has written the networks saying keep Giuliani off the air um, uh, because every time Giuliani, Giuliani is on, he's talking about Biden. Have you heard that? <laughs> yeah, I have heard that. It's absurd. 
Yeah. You know, it's a, the, what, what is this? The Soviet Union? Yeah. You know, the, the, the leader gets to tell networks who they should be interviewing and who they shouldn't be. Yeah. No, it's crazy. I mean, but but Biden, I mean, even though a lot of the mainstream media is uh, protecting him and not delving into it, this is hurting him, right? Because the name keeps coming up and people are getting away. Oh, well. I think this is the end of his campaign. This I plus Elizabeth this, Warren, right? It, it, I mean, this is the, the, the happiest person in Washington today is Elizabeth Warren by all this. Yeah. Because, this is gonna, because what's going to happen is every time the Democrats bring up Ukraine, Trump is Trump and his team are going to bring up Biden and Hunter Biden and all the rest of it. And it's going to muddy the waters of their investigation. So at some point, Democrats, Democrats, especially Democratic voters are saying, look, Trump's our target. This guy's getting in the way. Let's get rid of him. It's just too much collateral damage. We don't need it. We don't yeah. need this headache. Yeah. So I think this is very damaging because what, what, what's going to happen? Republicans are going to, you know, uh, Senator Kennedy was on uh, Fox the other night and he said, look, there's going to be an investigation of the president. And there's going to be an investigation of the vice president. And there should be an investigation of the vice president. And guess what? Hunter Biden's probably going to get called up to testify. And so is Amos Hochstein, this, uh, this uh, Obama administration official who, who's going to have to testify on what he told Biden about the conflict of interest. And we're going to have a parade of ethics lawyers coming up explaining why Biden's actions were a violation of U.S. ethics law and yeah. regulation. Yeah. And this is going to be a huge disaster for his campaign and a distraction from the Democrats. And I think I think it's probably the end for Biden. Yeah, I wonder if Warren would have taken him down by herself. It's possible, right? Yeah, oh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. again, nothing. We don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe uh, Democrats will. You know, they're just so terrified by the extremes of their party uh, that they'll st- stick with Biden despite everything. But uh, you know, his whole campaign is built on electability, and the less electable he looks, the uh, the less uh, he's going to be. Nobody's yeah. right. Nobody's nobody's rooting for Joe Biden because they want uh, they they want middle of the road health care policy in the Democratic Party. <laughs> let's uh, let's go to your your other column because I have noticed this a lot, uh, and I, I, you know I just wonder if we're in cloud cuckoo land here. But uh, first of all, I mean, there's Adam Schiff, and he goes up and he does a parody of the transcript, right? Yeah, which yeah. runs on snippets of which run on the news, and people think it's the real thing. I mean, it just just outrageous and ridiculous. Then sure. I have found over and over again, and again, you've been you've been the best on this. Is people are reporting what's in the transcript that's not in the transcript? Yes. I mean, uh, you know, Exhibit A. Well, the president raises with the president of Ukraine. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, the whole question of uh, you know tinkering in the election, and Biden was tinkering in the election. Uh, you know, and that the president brought that up. He didn't. He brought up Biden in a different context. He he was bringing well, he, correct. He, he was bringing up the election and you know 2016 because this was another in a series of conversations with world presidents about 2016. Uh, and apparently, the the uh, attorney general was involved in this too. Did I, did I get this yeah. right? Yeah. So there's two different things that, are, that, okay. that the Democrats are conflating. So first of all, what they do is they, they, every, everybody I've been watching and you saw Katie Tour do this on MSNBC and you've seen uh, people on CNN do the same thing, which is they say, they quote the president saying, do us a favor, investigate Hunter Biden and their ellipses, right? The ellipses cover about two paragraphs. Right. <laughs> and what he said when he said, do us a favor, he said, I want you to cooperate with the, uh, official investigation that the Justice Department is conducting that is being led by a career prosecutor named John Durham uh, into the origins of the Mueller probe, right. um, which right. there is nothing inappropriate about the president of the United States asking a foreign leader 
to invest to cooperate with an official Justice Department investigation. And it wasn't the uh, first time, and it wasn't the first yeah. time, right? Because yeah, and he did it. He, he did it with Australia. He's done it with the British. Uh, British. He's, in fact, Barr right. and Durham have traveled abroad together uh, to talk to, to foreign leaders about this investigation. Right. And look, the the Mueller probe for two years, the American people were told by Democrats that the president of the United States was a traitor who had, was a Russian agent who had worked for the Russians. Uh, they, they said they, they the people like Adam Schiff and, and, and Swalwell and all these clowns up on Capitol Hill said, I've seen the evidence that there was collusion. And it turned out none of it was true. Americans took those charges very seriously because to say, none of us want to have a president who's working with a foreign power, who's a, a lackey to the Russians, right? And so they listened and they took it seriously and they withheld judgment and it turned out it was a conspiracy theory. None of it was true. And so they want to get to the bottom of how we spent two years and tens of millions of dollars and wrapped up our government for two full years while we should have been addressing issues like health care and drug prices and infrastructure and all these other things uh, in the in these investigations. And they want to get to the bottom of it. So there is a, there are polls that show that that uh, most that 61 percent of Americans support investigate getting to the bottom of how, of how they in fact appointing a special counsel to investigate how we got to the first special counsel right, and right. so that's what 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 Barr and and john durham are doing and what the president is asking people to cooperate with where he okay. went off the rails was later when he then asked uh the the president of ukraine to cooperate with rudy giuliani rudy giuliani is his private lawyer who is investig- who is who is going and basically doing effectively opposition research though he doesn't see it that he doesn't call it that but that's what he's doing to try and find out information on what on Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and what they were doing and what and all these legitimate issues uh, that we were discussing at the start of this um, that's perfectly legitimate to do um, but it is not but you, there has to be a firewall between the official and the unofficial right? So the, 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 this is where the president has made a mistake, which is that he, he, he muddled the line between the official and the unofficial. And Rudy has made the mistake. Rudy goes off on television and says, well, I was going at the behest of the State Department. Uh, I was, I was, I was he's sort of a quasi-official envoy of the president. No, that's not what you should be doing. It's it's like right. you know when the when we had the Steele dossier, remember that whole controversy. And it turned out that the Steele dossier was paid for by Hillary Clinton's campaign, which hired a law firm, which hired Steele as an investigator to go dig up dirt on Donald Trump. So far, that's the Democrats' defense of that is that's just opposition research. Everybody does it, and that's true. They're right. The problem with the Steele dossier became when the FBI seized it and used it to as a as a pretext to spy on the Trump campaign and the government got involved, right? And they blurred the line between yeah, private yeah, and, and yeah, official. Yeah. So if Rudy is going as a private citizen hired by Donald Trump and his campaign to investigate uh, the Bidens, nothing wrong with that. It's the it's this blurring of the line. It's wait, this wait, him wait. saying up no, no, nothing wrong. One of the arguments I've heard from Hakeem Jeffries and others is this was the thing, the, the request about Biden and Biden's son was relevant mm-hmm. to the 2020 campaign. And if he got the information, this was receiving a thing of value from a foreign power. No. Okay, the, go ahead. the Justice Department investigated that. And they, they so the whistleblower complaint was sent to the Justice Department. It was reviewed by career prosecutors. And they said there's no campaign finance violation at all. So that's been that's been disproven. And if that's the case, uh, then Hillary Clinton should be in jail because for hiring uh, for hiring Steele, you can't have it both ways. The Democrats defended the Steele dossier by saying this is just opposition research. Everybody does it. And I accept their explanation. Donald Trump has every right to hire Rudy Giuliani and send him to Ukraine and tell him to 
depose people and dig up information. And, and, uh, and for, even if it's expressly for the purpose of helping his presidential campaign, it's opposition research where Giuliani has gone off the rails and the president's gone off the rails is blurring that line between the official and the unofficial. Trump had no business mentioning to the Ukrainian president to cooperate with Giuliani. He had no business uh, uh, and Giuliani had no business saying he's going on behalf of the State Department. But why why is it no business not constitute a, a, a violation of election law if he received information of value for the election? Um, because there's well, because there was no threat or any kind of. Uh, I, I would think that to, to well, first of all, it, it, he the just I don't know what the Justice Department reasoning was for why it wasn't a violation of campaign finance law, except that they looked into it and that's what they did determine. Uh, that uh, that there was no campaign, uh, there was no cam- by a campaign by a violation of campaign finance law. Um, but the president should not be doing that. Is my point? Is that is that right. the president should there should there needs to be a firewall between the camp? Just like you know, just like there is with the Hatch Act, right? You know, like you have campaign staff who do political things, and there are poli- and there are pol- official staff who do official things, and they can't you can't blur those lines. So it's the same thing with this. I think if Rudy if Rudy should be considered a lawyer for the Trump campaign and he should go and do whatever investigating he wants and get whatever dirt he can on on Biden and whoever else he wants to dig up dirt on. But don't, but the president should not be raising this or saying in an official phone call, this is my guy and I need you to cooperate with him. I may be wrong, but what I'm detecting is more emphasis on this. That's why I'm pressing you on it. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, not so much the uh, elimination of the ellipsis, the two-paragraph ellipsis as you have it, the blending of those two, but there seems to be more focus on this. He was looking to receive a thing of value from a foreign power relating to an upcoming election, and that's a... I don't know that information is a thing of of value. So it's like a thing of... I think when they mean a thing of value, it's like uh, money. Campaign donations, uh, you know, use of a jet. Uh, I don't know, whatever, whatever things of value that are normally concerned. I don't necessarily know that in, that information is a thing of value, especially if it's true, right? right? right. You know, an well, affidavit from the Russian prosecutor saying the president of Ukraine told me that I had to resign because Joe Biden wanted me to resign, and I have to stop investigating Burisma. That's maybe a thing of value in the in the literal sense, but in the legal sense, I don't think it is, and. Especially if it's true, <laughs> then uh, then it, uh, it's certainly a thing of value to the American people to know that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that. We we'll talk about the merits of impeachment here in a minute. But uh, I want to come back to what you said earlier uh, and put two things together. First of all, Menendez, Senator Menendez and company, seeking information about the origins of the Mueller report and all that. That was. You know, no one was bothered by that. Therefore, they shouldn't be bothered by the president seeking it. And then the New York Times, I believe it was yesterday or day before, breathlessly says, and President or Attorney General Barr was pressing the Australians for information on this, too. Well, first of all, it's not news. The president said so. Uh, on his way to the helicopter. Uh, and again, this was part of a legitimate inquiry into, uh, you know, the whole Mueller uh, uh, conspiracy theory. So there, let me be clear. There's nothing wrong with the senators writing that letter right. uh, to the Ukrainians, or the president, or Barr, or, or, yeah. or, or the president, or Barr, or anyone or asking Durham. the, you know, or, or Durham asking the. You know, I mean, Durham is a career prosecutor. He's the guy who, and who was the chosen by the Obama administration to investigate the CIA for uh, violations of the torture statute, um, yeah. and found that they didn't do it um, twice. And so, you know, this is a, this is a guy with an unimpeachable, uh, uh, he's not going to find something that doesn't exist just because of political pressure. He's a, he's a career prosecutor. He's widely respected. 
um, and he's conducting an official U.S. government investigation, uh, which the American people support. Because um, we all want to we'll get to want, we should want to know whether there was any wrongdoing and how this whole investigation got started. Um, but that is separate from what Rudy Giuliani is doing. Um, and so right. when Trump crossed that line, uh, talking about Giuliani and talking about and asking him to investigate Hunter Biden, uh, that was where the president went off the rails. Okay. Um, then uh, to me, uh, like the biggest example of chutzpah, you know, the old, uh, line or joke about chutzpah, it's the guy who kills his parents and throws himself on the mercy of the court since he's an orphan, you know, you know, that, <laughs> yeah. that's chutzpah. Yeah. I was yeah. listening, I think it was CNN and they said, well, what about the president inquiring into the origins of, uh, you know, the whole Mueller thing and the, and the, and the dossier and all that, uh, when it was approved that there was no collusion. What? <laughs> What? <laughs> I hadn't heard that one before. Yeah, really? <laughs> I mean, that was just a fishing expedition. There was nothing there. Oh, my gosh. I practically fell off the chair. That was extraordinary. Yeah. Anyway. That's exactly why we're looking into it, because there was nothing there, and we spent yeah. tens of million dollars in, on the, all the American time, people's time and energy on this for two years. All right. And well, we need to know. All right. Uh, two more questions for you. First of all, I, sure. I said after your stirring, stirring performance last night on Martha, I said, look, this whole thing isn't based on the facts a posteriori, as we say in philosophy, it's a priori. They came to this with a conviction that the president ought to be convicted and removed from office. It has nothing to do with the facts, and we can prove that because she's introducing or empowering all these committees before she's even seen the transcript. Fair enough? Yeah. I mean, so they, you know, they want to get him. Well, they they, they want to get him. They made the announcement the day before the transcript came out, the day before the, uh, and two days before the whistleblower came out. Right. So Ev- evidence from so evidence. They, and, by the way, you know, the, it, it, the, the, both the whistleblower report and the transcript undermine their argument. Because if you remember when this was originally reported and it was, the story was broken by the Washington Post, the story said that two former U.S. officials said that the president made a troubling promise. He made a promise in a phone call to a floor leader that was so troubling, it caused a whistleblower to, uh, to file a complaint. Right. right. There was no promise. There was That's no right. threat. That's right. It didn't exist. So the the what everybody was spun up about actually didn't happen, which is there was yeah. no uh, there was no effort to to pressure or leverage uh, the press. The request was inappropriate, but there was no pressure. And in fact, it turns out the Ukrainians didn't even know the money was on hold. Uh, when, and and the other thing that the the, the, trans, the, the transcript uh, backed up was the president's claim that it, that he was holding up the aid because he was concerned about uh, the the European Union's lack of support for uh, for uh, Ukraine. And in that transcript, he without mentioning the aid, he he raises that issue. He says yeah, to the president, "Look, right. I'm, you know, we're, we're doing a lot for Ukraine, and I don't see the European the European countries doing it." And what does the Ukrainian president say? Yeah. I agree with you, not just a hundred percent, a thousand percent. He said the Ukrainian president says, "I've I've talked to Merkel, I've talked to yeah, uh, I've yeah, talked to yeah. uh, Macron, and we've raised this, and they're not doing enough, and they should be our biggest partner, and instead it's you." So that backs up the president's claim that that's why he was put a hold on part of the aid. And the other thing, by the way, Bill, since since I, I, this this completely gets overlooked, is that. This is so president, president. This is the aid. You know, Democrats are all up in arms about holding up aid to Ukraine. This is the aid that the Obama administration refused to give to yeah, Ukraine. Yeah, I know. You remember, yeah. they, the Ukrainians were under attack, and they and they requested RPGs, rocket-propelled grenades, 
and Obama sent them MREs, meals yeah. ready to eat. He uh, wouldn't okay. send them the lethal aid. Okay. Now, uh, all right. Uh, let's come. Let's go back to whatever whatever objections here. Let's imagine yourself as um, Mark Nadler. Mark Jerry Nadler. I know that's hard. That's a hard one, but the human imagination's capable of lots of things. What's the strongest case vis-a-vis Ukraine you can make? I think it's what I, what I mentioned. They're receiving a thing of value. Uh, and maybe they challenge the Department of Justice's determination there. I've heard this over uh, and over again the last couple the, of days. The, the thing of value and that the president tried to enlist a foreign leader into, uh, into, uh, helping his presidential campaign. Uh, for foreign interference in an election. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the best argument. I mean, I think they feel like they have the smoking gun. They, they were trying to prove that the president colluded with Russia and, and they couldn't, and they, it wasn't there. And now they think they have the proof that he was trying to collude with Ukraine. Right. Now, that's now, the now, argument I would make. All right. And, and why is this, why is this thin soup? Why is this thin gruel? Why do you think this isn't strong enough? Because there was no, the, the, what would raise it to the level of impeachment, at least in my mind, would be if there was evidence that the president tried to that put the security of Ukraine and the security of the United States, because, you know, we're, we're trying to deter Ukrainian aggression, which could implement, implement our security uh, by withholding military assistance to, an, to a partner country, a NATO partner country that is under threat from Russia uh, in exchange for, as pressure to get uh and just compromise on his political opponents. Yeah, okay. um, that would be that, and and if that had happened, uh, I think that there would be a strong, much stronger case for impeachment. But the fact is that that part of the accusation has fizzled. Um, it, it may be that that's what Trump's motivation was deep in his heart. We don't know, um, but there's no evidence of that to be, at all. And there actually is evidence to back up what he said. And look, you look at the record of it. He's been focused on burden sharing with Europe before he became president. And, and you know, in fact, yelling at the NATO allies, not that they're not doing enough for NATO and the Ukraine, the South Koreans aren't spending enough. And, you know, so there's, there's a long history there to make that case. And, and this president, in fact, did not give the president anything of value. Not that we know of yet. Yeah, not that nope. we know of. Right, right, yeah. right. Okay, so, so <clears throat> all right, so here they are, hell-bent on but also impeachment. impeachment. But also keeping an impeachment is a political act. Right? I know. So the facts don't necessarily matter. I know, and this is where I'm going with it. I, I, I've been I've been using that old line about the ham sandwich. You know, the grand jury can indict a ham sandwich. You can you yep. can impeach for anything that the Congress says it is, yep. but but to sell it to the American people, it has to be plausible. Yep. Now the Democrats are taking some comfort mark in the fact that the polls seem to be moving somewhat in their direction. Now, if you're blanketed with this stuff day and night on every station, TV station, radio station, except for a few, uh, you're going to get some, uh, you're going to persuade some people, right? Sure. And because in this case, the president did something wrong. Right. Uh, not necessarily something impeachable, but something that parents are concerned about right. uh, legitimately. And so I think there's a segment of the electorate that says, well, I want to find out exactly what he did and look into that. Right. doesn't mean they, they don't necessarily think that the polls show that they that that a majority of Americans think he should be impeached, but they support an inquiry to find out what happened. And I think that's fair. Um, that they feel that way, that they want to, they want to get all the, get the witnesses and everything like that. And so I think the president is his own worst enemy and he did himself some real damage with his phone call. Uh, by doing that, I don't think it rises to the level of impeachment. I think what'll happen is yeah, well, that while, while we're doing this, uh, there will be a parallel investigation into Biden. 
and Hunter Biden. And we Americans will see uh, that there were some real legitimate issues relating to Hunter Biden and Joe Biden uh, and Hunter Biden enriching himself off of his father's name. And so the Trump campaign's, the Trump administration's response uh, will be maybe... Maybe I shouldn't have asked the president to do that, but it was a legitimate issue. And this guy's running for president. And he's and look at the look at look at uh, what a swamp preacher he is, uh, enriching right. his family, uh, well, using his official position to enrich his family. Right. And I There's, think that'll that'll be a mitigating factor in most Americans' minds. That's two parallel tracks because there'll be that investigation. Then there's the ongoing investigation. Uh, the yeah, Durham the and, and justice, yep. right, on the origins of this whole thing, and that's going to pop out soon. We're going to have Horowitz from. Uh, uh, yep. from FBI coming out pretty soon too, right? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And then this will drag into next year. And, you know, it's an awkward thing to be trying to remove the president from office in the middle of a presidential election year when the American people have the, are, are, are the ones who should be deciding whether the president should be removed from office or not. Yeah. Like, how do you explain to the American people, uh, I'm going to preempt your vote in November yeah. and make this decision for you? Yeah, it just we, seems like an awkward, you know, if they make a strong enough case and Americans decide, look, Americans might decide in November. Yeah, I know the economy's strong, but I'm so exhausted by this Trump chaos. And, you know, and I don't even care if he was wrong or not. I'm just I'm done with it. You know, yeah. and, and that's entirely possible. And it's a huge risk for the president. Or uh, they could decide uh, these Democrats. I try. Yeah, Trump's uh, Trump's a uh, causing a lot of chaos and I don't like him very much. But. Boy, Elizabeth Warren is is an existential threat to the democracy I love, and I'm going to stick with Trump. Yeah, that well, that's it. Choice. That's it. Because in this process, the way it's uh, developed, yeah. it's not uh, Elizabeth Warren is going to be eliminated. It's going to be Joe Biden, and then yeah, you're going to have absolutely. this extreme left wing group uh, view, which is going to make mean, it easier. The Democrats are they, one. They're running. They're running for re-election and re- both presidency and the House on impeachment and socialism, um, and that gives. People who don't like Donald Trump, no safe harbor. Yeah, but you know, yeah. this is a replay. I was, it occurred to me this morning, uh, you know, this is a replay of history because the election is one thing, but they were worried at the FBI, so they wanted an insurance policy. So now mm-hmm. the insurance policy is the impeachment process, right? Yeah, exactly. In so case we can't win at the ballot. In case we yep. can't win at the ballot, let's try to get this done first. Well, they yep. they will impeach. I don't think there's any question. But, and he will not be convicted in the Senate. I don't think there's any question. But we'll, have a, but we'll have some sort of a trial. So, I mean, Mitch McConnell said if they impeach, they'd be, he has no choice but to take it up. Yeah, and I just think in a trial, the, the flimsiness of this stuff will come out. Biden's yeah. name will come up a million times. Yeah. And, you know, people are going to... worst nightmare. Right. And people are going to see just, you know, that this is more of a function of their a priori kind of crazy, irrational hatred than of the mm-hmm. facts, than of the facts. Yeah. But let me ask yeah. you this, because I was asked, uh, as I often am, unfortunately, because of my philosophy degree, to philosophize last night. And mm-hmm. Martha said, is this dividing the country? I said, I don't know. It's certainly dividing the political part of the country, the political elites. Those of us who are engaged in this, it's pretty intense. And I get people yell at me at the street. I don't know if people in your neighborhood yell at you. You, you live in Virginia, though, right? I do. I, yeah, do. I, li- I live in Maryland, so it's a different. It's a different <laughs> Montgomery County. It's choices, a different my friend. Choices. It's, I know. I know. <laughs> choose, choose wisely. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, the wrong chalice. Anyway. Um, 
But but uh, is this run through the country? Alan Gelzo, who's a guy I, I love, teaches it. Uh, yeah, you know you know Gelzo, Lincoln biographer. Yeah, that's right. Says this is yeah. the most divided we've been since the Civil War. Is that right, or is it just some of us? I think it's some of us. I okay. think it's a lot. I mean, there are a lot of people, but I think there's a lot of people who I think we overestimate. You know, like like what percentage of the country is actually on Twitter? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, we look at all the Twitter debates. I, I would venture to say the majority of the country is not on Twitter yeah. and they're not, and they're not listening to all this, you know, yeah. this, this, this back and forth. I think people are, you know, trying to get through their lives and raise their kids and do things. And they sort of, a lot of people don't pay it. It's so bad that they, they just, it's so horrible. They sometimes just turn, turn off the off. news. I was, I got to tell you, I was, I was driving this Sunday back from a hockey tournament with my kids and I was uh, on I-95 and I said, I went on C-SPAN to listen to the Sunday shows and I was just, it, yeah. it was like they it was like they brought back crossfire yeah. you know it was like just people yelling at each other and like that and and these are like this is where you used to go for reason debate right and reason discussion it's so bad that i turned it off now if i a former chief treasurer of the president and who, who lives and breathes politics i was exhausted by it and turned it off imagine what normal americans do you didn't go to your vikings <laughs> did you instead no, no, I did not. I'm not a Viking fan. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. Well, it's good. It's a, that's a good thing too. I'm, no, a, I'm a Scott Walker guy. I got I got to root for Green Bay. Oh, I go oh, good for you. Okay, and the University of Wisconsin pretty good this year too. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. All right, yep. Yeah, the thing I was looking this up after I I talked first. I talked and then I looked it up. I'm like a Democrat, you know. Uh, I didn't look at the evidence first, but the evidence I, I guessed right. Most Americans are, you know, first of all, they hate this stuff. They want to spend their time doing other things, some more sensible things. Second, when it comes to their ideological package, it's not consistent. It's a mix. Conservative views, some liberal views, you know, strong on defense, but, you know, fine on gay marriage. You know, they're all over the place. They have have some of this and some of that. And, uh, you know, it's not, it's not, uh, CNN, most of them are not CNN on, on the country's not CNN on the one hand, Fox on the other hand, right? I think so. I think that, yeah. I think they actually, the most of the country is, uh, is, uh, watching something else entirely. Yeah. In a lot of a lot of in a lot of ways. I mean, no, I don't mean to equate the two because I have to tell you. I mean, Fox yeah. and I'm a contributor. I think you are too. Fox yeah. is a lot more even-handed on this and seeks. Well, a debate you know, it's that, funny. Than Bill, CNN I just, does not. I was I was in in uh, Europe this summer when, uh, in Poland, and there was no Fox available. So I was watching CNN. It was during the Democratic debates, and I was watching the morning news on CNN. So this is not this is and, and literally there were there were two anchors, and there were four people all talking about what a racist Donald Trump was. Yeah. And I think to myself, you know, I mean, I, I've never been on Fox myself. And, you know, uh, I do special report. I do Martha's show. I do, I do lots of shows. I've never been on with, with four people who agree with me. I'm always debating a Democrat yeah, somewhere. Sure, Some sure. of my closest Democratic friends, people who I who I've gotten to know personally and really like, like Juan Williams and uh, Donna Brazil, uh, you know, they're, they're, I met them at Fox, you know, <laughs> they're very. We disagree with the very, very nice people, and right. that, 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 so that, that, that the Fox Green Room is probably the last bastion of bipartisanship in all of That's Washington D.C. You know, I saw the other night. Do you ever watch CNN now? Uh, no. All right, I do, and I, I, I saw this guy at a party on Sunday night. A guy named David Urban. You know who he is? Oh yeah, I know David. Sure, yeah. So he sits there, I think, three days a week with four angry feminists spitting at him. <laughs> 
I mean, it just it's it's like it's like the interviewer Jake Tapper and four angry feminists, and he sits there and he tries to keep a smile and keep his spirits up. And I said, I was in that chair for three years. I was in that chair, uh-huh. and I said, God love you. I said, I don't know if you're Catholic, but if you I are, am. you should know you will not have any purgatory time because <laughs> you've had it. You know, you've done yep. it. You've had your yep. 800 years anyway. Uh, okay, so the country will survive this. Will Donald Trump survive it? I don't know. I don't know. Really? I, think the, uh, really? You know, I mean, I, I think that, uh, I mean, I think he's going to survive. He's not going to be impeached, so he's not going to be removed from office. No, he will be impeached. Uh, but, he will be impeached. I mean, he sorry, he won't, be, he won't be removed. He will be. He will probably be impeached. He will not be removed. Uh, the question becomes, uh, does the do the American people decide in November that uh, one is the economy stays strong, which is really important to him. And two, is it worth all the chaos? Because I think a lot of people are just exhausted by the chaos. I agree with that. But the the choice is chaos or, excuse the expression, socialism. Socialism. I mean, don't excuse the impression. Let's call it what it is. It is I mean, again, and and that's the third factor is do the Democrats pick somebody that gives Trump exhausted voters uh, no safe harbor to choose somebody else. So, you know, there's 19% of the electorate who basically like Trump's policies, but don't like him. And they, they're the ones that uh, are right for targeting. And the question becomes, they're the ones who gave him the majority, right? And, uh, and gave helped him win the, gave him the majority in electoral college and gave him the presidency. Those people are, are, are those people gettable? And can, can you get them? You know, you would think that the Democrats, what they would be doing is saying, look, there are about eight or nine million Obama Trump voters out there who voted twice for Barack Obama and then switched to Trump in 2016. We should focus on winning those people back. How do we do that? By tacking to the center. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. And instead, they're going full socialism. And so they're pushing those people into Trump's arms. And he, and he could be as outrageous as he wants to be. And those people won't leave him because there's no safe harbor. And the Democrats literally are making this election an existential choice. A lot, a lot of the people in the middle, though, uh, in regard to negative about Donald Trump, it's it's, it's the personal stuff, right? It's the style. Yeah. It's the yeah, pugilistic stuff. So supposing we get down to September and, you know, 40, 55 percent disapproval of the president as a person and 40 percent disapproval of Elizabeth Warren as a person, but much higher disapproval of her policies. Than yeah. his policies, who wins? I, th- I think the other he he wins re-election. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I, th- I think uh, because you know, look, Bill, if if this this is one of the greatest conservative presidencies ever, if you turn on the mute, mute button, yeah, I know, <laughs> right? I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, seriously, it's like if you turn off Twitter and turn on the mute button, and you just look. If I told you in twenty in twenty fourteen, Bill, we're going to put up a candidate in twenty in the twenty sixteen election, and I'm not going to tell you his name. But he's going to beat Hillary Clinton. He's going to appoint two amazing Supreme Court justices. He's going to be passing the first comprehensive tax reform since in 30 years. He's going to uh, he's going to uh, drive ISIS out of its caliphate. I mean, go down the list of things. He's going to have the largest rollback of regulations in in the history of the presidency. I mean, go down the list of things. Will you will you sign up for that bill as a conservative? And you and I would both say, hell yeah. Yeah. Or sign up for it, and then they say, "Oh, by the way, it's Donald Trump, and this, <laughs> all this chaos is going to ensue too." Uh, we'd be like, oh, "Okay, here we go, yeah. take your seatbelts." Right? No, no. Well, you listen. Know? You know, I serve Ronald Reagan. We have, we have a little shrine of conservatism here in my library with pictures of me and Reagan. 
Mm-hmm. Not, not as conservative a president as Donald Trump. Oh, I don't know. I don't agree with that. Oh, yeah, I think so. Oh, we'll have to have another, another long discussion about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, look, look at the but, cabinet. Look at the cabinet. Yeah, well, you know, there's a there's a difference between that. And also, I would argue the same thing is true of George W. Bush. Um, the if you look at just the policies like that, and the part of the reason for that is, is that what the what the conservative movement did through the '60s and the '70s and the '80s is develop a cadre of officials, people like you, <laughs> who you know were credentialed and served in government and then served in higher positions and higher positions. When Ronald Reagan came into office, all he had was like the, the Ford Rockefeller wing of the party to choose for you yeah. know for, yeah. uh, for leaders. There were no and there were there literally were no troops. Uh, to put in the position. And so now we've got, you know, a trained cadre of conservative, credential conservatives who can serve in government and can make conservative decisions throughout the government. So it's uh, come and serve for three or four months at a time, (laughs) 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 which is another problem, but we'll deal with that. Okay. Mark, thank you very, very much. Oh, it's good to be on with you. Great stuff. Keep it coming. Uh, We read you regularly. The Bible verses and Mark Deason. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. Bye. That does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of this show, go to BillBennettShow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. I'd love to hear from you. It's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We'll catch up next week.